Hey, everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. My guests today are Anthony Masiello and Dr. Kim Scheuer from Love Life Telehealth, and they're going to be talking about hypertension. Please welcome them both to the show. We get a twofer today. Yay. Hey, thank you, AJ. Thank you for having us today. Yeah, we're yes, you know, you, here. it's my pleasure. You've both been on the show separately, but never together. Never together. And I, I think I was on last uh, three years ago or so. So it's been a little while. Well, I'm very happy to see you've kept all your weight off. You lost an yep. enormous amount of weight and you've kept it off. Yep. Yep. I'm happy about that too. Yeah. Were you ever worried that it might come back and sneak back? Um, often. Um, you know, it's not the kind of worry where I'm like scared or actively thinking about it, but it's the kind of worry where it kind of lingers and it, it keeps me in check which is good. So I, not so much that I'm obsessed about it, but, um, but I'm, I'm very aware. Yeah. That's good. So no, 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 no inside my mind. <laughs> yeah. So no major slips and slides or is what I like to call snacks No, not, not at all. And you know, my habits are just, are just so, so solid that I, I don't, you know, I stay, I just do what I do and I really thoroughly enjoy it. So it, it's not like I have to worry about, you know, like kind of going on or off and things like that. It's just, it's easy peasy that way. And it's just kind of lingering in the back of my mind. Like, I wonder if I would ever lose, you know, regain my weight again, because I see a lot of people, you know, uh, it does happen to well, see a lot of people maintain it as well. If you keep doing what you do, you're not going to, I love that idea of your habits in place. Same here. I, we don't think about it anymore. We just eat what we eat and we love what we eat. And you apparently love life because that's the name of your company. Yeah. Yeah. We, and, and that's it. We, we, I love life. Dr. Kim loves life. I, I believe that I believe thoroughly that you love life, AJ. And we just want to help as many people as possible to move on from just living life. We want to really help people to be loving life. Great. Well, thanks. Hey, how are you doing, Dr. Scheuer? I'm doing wonderful. I, it's so wonderful to be on here. And uh, I love being with you. And I love what you've done. You've changed my life. And I love what Anthony does, because he's changed my life. And we all hopefully will change many, many people's lives together. Well, thank you. I, I still remember you because you you are fluent in American Sign Language. <laughs> yes, I love sign. And I, I love using my languages, um, Spanish and sign language to to bring what I've learned with lifestyle medicine and what's helped my life to other people. So, so do you have any, uh, any patients that sign? Because I just got an email from somebody that is deaf. I mean, you could, you could see her, right? Yes, absolutely. I have quite a few deaf patients and it's great. And it's so much fun. And I just love the communication and it's also great in a, you know, in a crowded place. You don't have to play telephone. You can just sign. Everyone understands. I love it. When, or like in a library where you can't talk. Yep. That's fun. So how come you guys picked hypertension to talk about? Is that one of the most common things you see in your practice? Absolutely. It is huge. And Anthony has a huge, uh, a slideshow to talk about why it's so important and what's going to go on. Well, I can't yeah, and, and when we jump into it, mostly that, you know, that's sharing kind of what things that people can start doing today. And, you know, we looked up some interesting facts and, and, I was wondering also, why do we pick hypertension? I mean, I have personal reasons why I picked hypertension. And that was actually the first diagnosis of chronic condition that, that I ever received. Back when I was in college, I would go to donate blood. And, you know, when you go to donate blood, they check a few things to make sure it's safe that you're donating um, your blood. And one of the things is blood pressure. And 
they would often tell me that my blood pressure was high and that I should have it checked. And of course I didn't. And then occasionally they would tell me my blood pressure is too high to donate. And I'm actually interested, Kim, like, is that because I would just shoot blood all over the room or, or is it because um, I could really, like I could have a, a, a you know, a, a cardiac event or a heart attack or something? Absolutely. Yeah. So blood pressure is huge and it's undiagnosed in so many people because you don't feel it, you know, it, it, it's asymptomatic. So, I mean, in the United States, we have about 1.2 million adults have hypertension over 50, almost 50% 50 of adults have hypertension. Some of them know it, some of them don't. 1.3 billion people worldwide. And it is the, and I'm going into the, the talk a little bit, but it is a precursor for heart disease, which is the number one cause of death in America. It's, it affects strokes. It affects a whole bunch of things. So when you went for blood, they were worried if they take more blood, your pressure is going to go even higher, or there's two different things that can happen. It can go higher, or you can drop your pressure and that dropping it too much too fast in somebody who's got high blood pressure can be a problem too. Um, and yeah, you would spurt. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, when you say that almost 50%, right, yeah. of the people have it, I think that means that everyone, Yes. Um, including everyone who's watching today, either has high blood pressure or knows someone who has high blood pressure. And, and like you're saying, the, the dangerous part is that, you know, being called the silent killer is if you don't know you have high blood pressure, you're still at risk. It's not like, um, a, you know, a bruise and, or, or a rash that when it gets bigger, it gets more dangerous, right? Like it's always there, whether you feel it or not. And, um, there are so many people think ways people can check their blood pressure. I mean, grocery stores often have a, a little booth you can sit in and just check your blood pressure. Right. And, um, you know, there are monitors for somebody who knows that they have high blood pressure and wants to check it more frequently. You can go for about 20 bucks. You can order it online or you can get it in your pharmacy or even your grocery store, a blood pressure cuff that you can just hit the button and check your blood pressure at home to help monitor it. Right. And the important thing about blood pressure is one is finding out you have it so you can take care of it. And two, there's so many things and we're going to give you tips today to be able to take care of it without that are not hard and they're, they're fun. Some of them. Yeah. So that's the some goal. Of them are a lot of fun. <laughs> some of them are a lot of fun. Well, I can't wait to hear. We've had, I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. C.E. Grimm. He worked for Dr. Walter Kempner and he says where there is no salt, there is no high blood pressure. Wow. Yeah, and so it's a big deal. We'll talk about that for sure. I cannot wait to see this presentation. Well, well, we'll we will um, dig into it while while I start that up. Do we want to? Oh, well, okay, we have a spot where we can talk about what are the risks and things as well, right? So I'm going to share our lovely slides that we created together. And perfect. Here we are, and. AJ, we did this for you. Do you see the name of the presentation? Beat the pressure. I'm clever. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, you know when we were doing that, you know, we we first of all we want we want to have fun because this is a very very serious topic. But there are really so many things that we can do about. It. So it's not it should not be a point of of stress. And then the other thing is as we as we were writing that, Dr. Kim, you started to tell me something about the. Um, you know, some of the nutrients in beach, beets and how it um, improves arterial health. Is that right? If you want, if I understand. Yeah, it's, it's high with nitric oxide and that affects the endothelium, which is the 
the cell layer in the vessels that go through your body, which helps vasodilate, which opens up the vessels. So we, it drops your blood pressure and beets are amazing. We'll talk about those during this. And I just think they're delicious. So anyway. And they're great in smoothies. If you have a green smoothie and don't like the color green, put a beet in. It'll make it taste great. Be red so it doesn't look green. Oh. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so um, can you tell us a little bit more about what, like, what is high blood pressure? Because again, if somebody does stop in the grocery store, I mean, normally they have a chart on here, but yeah. uh, you know, on those machines, so we would know. But if somebody's checking it at home and they don't really have a chart, like, you know, what, what, what determines and where do the risks come in for different levels? So let's of first talk about blood pressure and what it, what it is. So it's pressure in your vessels that go around your body. Vessels go everywhere in your body. And it's high pressure in those vessels. And those, that high pressure causes vessel damage, which is not good. Um, and so you're damaging the vessels in your heart to cause heart attacks, in your brain, which can cause strokes, uh, like a hemorrhagic stroke where you just pop it. It's kind of like having too much pressure in a tire tube. It just makes the tire tube weaker. And so um, what we consider normal is less than 120 systolic, which is the top number, which is when the heart compresses, that's the top number. So that's gonna be higher. And so less than 120 is normal. And then as the heart relaxes, the diastolic, which is the bottom number should be less than 80. And overall lower is better. For example, athletes, sometimes smaller women like myself, my blood pressure runs maybe 90 over 60 regularly on a normal basis. And that's not too low. As long as you're not getting dizzy or having problems, the lower, the better. And for me, because I'm healthy, that's good. If you were on medicines that brought you too low, it can make you pass out. But, um, you know, so if, might, I just want, if you can say that again, because this is something that, that I think is so, so important. And that's another reason why we bring this topic up because it, there you do have to be responsible with this stuff, right? So I think what I heard you say is that if you're on medication and yes. your blood pressure goes too low, it's very dangerous as I understand it. But if you're not on medication and your blood pressure goes low and you don't feel signs of lightheaded or dizziness, then that's okay. So yeah, just it's help me great. understand. Okay. Yeah, so the, as as long as there's no pathologic reason, and if if you're low and you're dizzy when you stand up or when you're moving or you're starting to pass out, then we need to find out what's really going on and why you're low. But otherwise, like for a person who's who's healthy or athletic, it's actually great to be low. And so the lower the better. Um, if you have high blood pressure to begin with and we give you meds and you come down, sometimes you feel odd until your body gets used to having lower blood pressure. But, and it, you can see on this guidelines that 120 to 129 is, um, is considered elevated. It's not considered high blood pressure, but you're still doing damage. So even elevated is doing damage. Now it's normal to go up at certain times. You're exercising, it can go up and then it comes down later. You're stressed, it goes up and comes down. So that that ability to go up and down is very good. It's a fight or flight thing. Or if you, you know, so there's reasons to go up transiently. But if you're running 128 all night long while you're sleeping, that's not good. And we want to even get patients and people 
to start doing some of the tips that we're talking about, some of the, the strategies to bring down your blood pressure because you're already causing some damage. And, and then we, as you go higher and higher, that's a problem. And when you say it's not good, as I understand it, the, the, is the heart working harder yeah. because it has to basically, like I think of like a bicycle pump, right? Yeah. Like, like if I, if I do a nice, you know, steady pace when I'm pumping up my bicycle tire, the tire inflates slowly. But if I, if I, if I want to put like, if I don't have a road bike, but I understand people have road bikes, they have to put a hundred pounds in their tire. So they have to pump that, you know, to get so much pressure. And I just imagine that the heart is doing the same thing. Is it, is it a matter of, I know there are events that can happen because of high blood pressure. And we should probably talk to us a little bit more about that, but is there also kind of wear and tear on the heart because it's just working so much harder? Absolutely. So the heart can actually get too big because it's trying. So it's pushing so hard against that pressure around your body to try and get the, the um, blood through. And if you push, if your blood pressure is too high, like in your brain, you can have what's called a hemorrhagic stroke where just like a tire, if you pump it too much, it can pop, you know, it doesn't happen often, but it can. And that's going to cause blood to bleed out into your brain. That's not good. So we want to keep your blood pressure low and healthy. We want to keep the vessels from getting weakened. Like if you blow up a balloon too much, you get these weak spots and that's not good. So that's why we want to keep your blood pressure a healthy range. I see. Great. Thanks for explaining that. And then there's another thing that can happen, right? Like, like then there are, um, plaques can dislodge Yes, and they can call, they can cause uh, clogging of arteries and that can happen in the brain as I understand it. And then that's called a, um, ischemic stroke, I think. Perfect. And then if it happens in the heart, then that's basically a heart attack. Right. And, right. and so if having the high pressure, yeah. Is that make it more likely that some of these plaques might dislodge and, and move free and, um, yes. and find their ways to these smaller vessels where they like, it can't flow anymore. And it basically just causes like a traffic jam. There's tons of reasons why that can happen, but blood pressure does increase your risk of that. And so what happens is if a clot blocks the artery in your heart or any place in your body, everything after it dies all the cells after it die because it's not getting the oxygen it needs because the blood's not flowing, blood carries the oxygen. And so that all dies and you don't wanna lose heart muscle. You don't wanna lose brain function. You can even have that in the kidneys because the kidneys filter out all the toxins and there's little, little vessels and, and filtering systems in the kidneys and the blood pressure is too high, it, it just damages those. So a chronic kidney disease is a big problem in the States and, and around the world, but that's a lot to do with high blood pressure. So we need to, to manage this. Blood pressure affects so many things. And again, most of the time it's asymptomatic as it gets worse and higher and higher and higher, you can get headaches, visual changes, things like that. We never wanna to get to that point. We wanna get, we wanna treat you and get that number down way before that time happens. Awesome. And I know we're going to, we're going to dive into that. I think before we dive into that, I think since you haven't been on, uh, since neither of us have been on AJ's show in a, in a little while, um, let's just kind of reintroduce, like I, I'm always so fascinated by everyone who I meet in the world of lifestyle medicine, whole food, plant-based nutrition, veganism, basically anyone who's kind of stepped even slightly outside of what, you know, might be considered the mainstream. 
is usually here on purpose. And to me, it's just an incredible community to be able to hang out with people who are here on purpose. And I know that's absolutely true for you and why you're doing what you do, why you've changed, you know, to um, lifestyle medicine from family medicine. And maybe you can just share a little bit about that. Sure. I'll, I'll briefly mention. Uh, so I am, I was uh, very, very, very thin until I was about 13 years old. And then I stopped going up and I started growing out and I struggled with weight all my life. I thought I was healthy. I was a Milky Way vegetarian from college on. Like when I was younger, my father was a cardiologist and he switched us from um, whole milk to, to skim milk to make us healthier. But I kept growing and growing. And, but I thought I was healthy. And then I was, I worked as a physician at a traditional family practice when I was, and I struggled with my weight and I struggled with some cholesterol issues and some other things. And and then when I was 47, I realized that my mother, who's pictured here, has cancer when she was 48. And I thought, how am I going to prevent myself from getting breast cancer? A little late, only a year away. But I, I watched Forks Over Knives, read the China study, and learned all about how food affects our, our health. And then I got into lifestyle medicine. I got boarded in lifestyle medicine, changed my life. In the first month, because I never, I was... I hated anything green. I'd never had a salad. So a friend of mine made me a green smoothie every day for a month. My weight plummeted. My cholesterol plummeted. My energy went skyrocketed. My strength got better. It totally changed my life. And then I started using it on my patients. So now with the next slide, you can see what I learned was what lifestyle medicine is. And I, I now incorporate all the pillars of lifestyle medicine into my life. Um, and some of it we will talk about today because it's so important. I now no longer, it was funny when um, you were talking about, do you ever think of being heavy again? I, until I was 47, I yo-yoed. I tried every diet possible. I tried to become bulimic. I couldn't do it, thankfully. I tried different things. And now I will never go back. I just have so much fun and I love my life so much that I would never go back. Awesome. Well, we're glad. And, and we're glad you've decided to change careers. And I know um, your patients, who I am fortunate enough to speak with sometimes, occasionally, some of them um, are thrilled that, that you've made that switch and that you're not going back as well. Um, so I'm going to just reintroduce myself briefly. Um, if I can figure out my slides. Um, so uh, so I, I just want to mention, you know, I care so deeply about this stuff because it's deeply, I mean, it's greatly improved my life. And the, the best description I can say is that, you know, in addition to losing over 160 pounds, um, in addition to getting off medications, high blood pressure medication was the only medication that I ended up being on. And unfortunately for me, even on two different medications. One of those was a combination of a medication and a, and a diuretic. So, I, so technically maybe I was on three medications and my blood pressure still stayed around 140 over 90. And all of these things that I was dealing with were enough to cause me to be denied a 20 year term life insurance policy at age 33. And that was a scary wake up call for me. And once I figured out how to get healthy myself, which, you know, I, I read Dr. Furman's book, um, Eat to Live, and I switched to a whole food plant-based diet exclusively, vegan whole food plant-based diet. 
and the weight fell off and it fell off because I was getting healthy on the inside. I got off all my medications long before I finished losing, you know, the, the 160 pounds, but my blood pressure, my cholesterol, and all of my other markers that were high, my liver function tests and triglycerides, they all went from being very in the danger zone to being ideal. And, and, um, two years later, when I was 35, I was able to get that, um, that 20 year term life insurance policy, which, um, made my, my family happy, um, that, that they would be taken care of in case something did happen to me. But again, I moved on from just, you know, kind of existing and living life to now completely loving life and doing all of these fun and amazing things. And, uh, you know, got to raise my family in a way that I'm incredibly proud of and, um, got to be a, a very active part of, um, of my children's lives. And now, my children are grown and moving out. Uh, I have a senior in high school and my other is already out in college. And, and now my wife and I are still, you know, we went for a trail run this morning. So we're still living life, um, you know, e even beyond the time that I was so excited to spend with my kids. So, you know, I, I feel like we, we've talked a lot about the, the challenges of high blood pressure and some of the not so maybe uplifting stuff, you know, the dangers and the things that can happen. But uh, we mentioned earlier, that there are a lot of really fun things that we can do that can also help us to live healthy and improve our blood pressure. And then the other thing I want to ask about after, maybe after you, you start to touch on some of these is, is um, how doing some of these things that are improving blood pressure are also going to improve other aspects of, of life and other things that, that um, we deal with. So we're on to strategy number one. And um, maybe I'll, I'll list the strategy and then you can start to give us some of the details on some of this. So the, the, the first thing that you can do is eat a whole food plant-based diet. And I would add to that a delicious and colorful and beautiful and nutritious whole food plant-based diet. This is, this is far from um, torture, right? Oh my God. My, my meals, I eat a lot and I love what I eat and it's, I, it's delicious. So First thing first, eat, as you said, eat a whole food plant-based diet. There actually just came out a few days ago in um, a study in circulation that showed that doctors, when they prescribe fruits and vegetables to their patients, um, when they actually give a prescription pad and, and uh, places Write it on there. To, yeah. to get them, that they will not only eat more produce, but they lost weight decreased their hemoglobin A1C, which is a, a, a test that we use for diabetes. So decreased diabetes, but their blood pressure plummeted. They decreased their blood pressure significantly. So um, they, this is a multi-state study in America between 2014 and, and 2020. And so consuming eight to 10 servings of fruits and vegetables a day makes a huge difference because there's a lot of different reasons. So one, the green leafy vegetables, the dark green leafy vegetables are high in nitrates um, and, and beets are too, which is why we say beet the pressure. Um, and that improves the endothelial lining in your vessels, which causes you to vasodilate. So you have more, um, you have lower blood pressure. It pushes out foods that have high, that are high in saturated fats because fruits and vegetables don't have high, aren't high in saturated fats and saturated fats increase viscosity, which is the thickness of the blood as it goes through, which increases blood pressure. And so that really, when you're replacing 
high viscous foods and high saturated fats foods, um, you decrease your blood pressure. It takes down sodium. So whole foods like plants don't have a lot of sodium and sodium's huge in blood pressure and it's huge in this country. Really, we're only supposed to have no more than 1500 milligrams a day, which is a quarter of a teaspoon, a quarter of a teaspoon. And if you have high blood pressure, you can go down to 1200 milligrams. And so, um, you think that, you know, when you use salt in cooking or use salt at the table, that's the biggest deal. In America, we have so many, salt is more in things that are hidden, like in cheeses, which are high in saturated fat. So if you get rid of cheese, you're getting rid of the salt and the saturated fat. Um, they're in pro, uh, packaged processed foods. They're hidden in bread. There's so much salt in bread. So if you switch over to fruits and vegetables, you'll do, you'll get rid of that salt, which will help your blood pressure. Go ahead. You, you know what always, you know, what always shocks me is um, when I buy canned beans. Oh yeah. Often I use my instant pot and I cook my own dried beans. And then of course, obviously I'm not putting any salt in it, but then when I go to the store, I mean, there are a couple of brands that are readily available of no salt. And, um, and it seems to me like they're coming out with more, but it's always fascinating to me when I pick up a can of, of beans that don't say anything about no or low sodium, like how much is in there. And I don't remember what it is, but of course, I, I mean, I would guess like some others, you know, when I eat beans, I eat the can of beans, right? Like whether I put it on top of my salad or whether I'm mixing it up with some steamed or cooked greens or something like that, or, or mixing it in with some salsa or that I would make or something. But, but um, the sodium is, I, I feel like it's like, 20 or, or more times what, what the U.S. daily recommendation recommended um, allowance is. And from what uh, Chef AJ said earlier, that she said that where there's no salt, you know, regions that don't use salt don't have heart, don't have high blood pressure. I mean, so we probably don't even want to be close to the, I, I don't know this, but this is a question I'll ask you, you know, how close we should be to the um, U.S. recommended daily allowance. But then the, the shocker is, is then you pick up the can of low sodium yeah. um, and it's like this much less. It's almost, it's almost the same, at least some of the brands that I've looked at, and I'm not trying to call anyone out, but like, if you, I pick up the regular ones and then I pick up the low sodium ones and it is less. So it is lower in sodium, but it's still so much more than, than I would want to have. And, so and to your point, it's just hiding in there. Yeah, a great tip is whenever you're looking at a pack, first of all, the best thing is to get food that doesn't have packaging, so fruits and veggies. But if you're getting a packaged food, look at the calories and look at the milligrams of sodium. And if the milligrams of sodium are higher than the calories, you shouldn't have it, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. And so be aware of that because if you think that, that if you're on a 2000 um, calorie diet, you know, then if there's more sodium or even the same amount of sodium, then you're getting 2000 milligrams of sodium. You're way over what you should be getting right there. So that's an easy tip if you're gonna go and, and do things. If you get a can of, of beans, which are great and they help bring down your blood pressure and there is any sodium, wash them off, wash oh. it off, wash it carefully beforehand. But um, avoiding, yeah, the, the less sodium you can have, the better. And then I think, yeah, that's great to know. Thank you. And then yeah. and I think we've got three things here that I think are kind of more like tips. Yeah. Like these are maybe things that, that we don't hear about. I personally drink hibiscus tea. 
you know, I don't, I don't use caffeine myself. So when we go out, I, I look for whatever herbal teas are available and hibiscus teas are around. I didn't know that hibiscus tea um, could help to lower blood pressure. And then it's I really, I really like what's explained here is it, it's actually a, the recipe, right? It, it sounds like this is a pretty strong hibiscus tea if we're using um, five tea bags and two cups of water. So hibiscus tea, hibiscus has a lot of ants, um, anthocyanins and uh, antioxidants, which helps to improve your um, your blood pressure and decrease your blood pressure. It's great. And there's actually a great hibiscus amla and amla is Indian gooseberry tea that you can get, which um, I make all the time, which you just take the amla hibiscus in and they both it's a double whammy to take down your blood pressure. So it's wow. great. Um, yeah. And you don't have to use the five tea bags. You just use one little scoop and mix it in water. And that oh, works nice. really well. Um, then there's, you know, there's, these are what the studies are done by. And you do want to try and do what the studies do, which is using that much or the animal. Because that's what's kind of proven, right? That's what's right. been proven exactly. to be effective. Right. And all these are, are evidence-based with studies. And, you know, so adding the flax seeds every day, adding the vinegar makes a huge difference. Adding there's whole grains, like um, make a huge difference to bring down blood pressure because you're, you're getting, you're substituting in healthy things, which have lots of nutrients for unhealthy things, which have saturated fat and no nutrients. And um, so beets, beet juice, they're great to take down blood pressure. Um, so, you know, eat as, as healthy as you can. Those are one of some of the things that I would do. And it's fun. You can find great foods and great recipes. On Chef AJ's channel, you can find unbelievable recipes. Unlimited number of unbelievable recipes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, should we go on to tip number two? Sure. All right. And... I'll let you introduce this one as well, because you can tell us who this character is with this beat, since we're talking all about beats today. So that character is my significant other, Derek. And Derek, when I first met him, was 60 pounds heavier. He was on five meds, two for cholesterol, three for blood pressure. And in dating me, we had a rule. My house is clean and I was eating clean. I had just started. And, and he, in the process, he's lost a ton of weight, the 60 pounds. His blood pressure has improved. His cholesterol has gone much better. And so, and he's doing things here. What I love about this picture is he got physical because getting physical, moving more makes a difference on your blood pressure. And so he's doing something naturally physical. He's gardening. So he's not only moving and helping um, get his heart stronger to take down his blood pressure, um, decreasing his weight, decreasing his stress, but he's feeding us with those amazing beats there. So taking down your weight um, with getting physical, uh, decreasing your stress, stress that makes a difference. They suggest uh, 150 minutes of moderate exercise a week, which is about 30 minutes a day. And he's in there working on the dome um, uh, at least 30 minutes a day. And even just losing five to 10 pounds can lower your blood pressure. So that is a, a picture that makes me happy because um, that's special to me. He's even wearing a walk with the doc t-shirt because that's one of the things that we do um, with our local community is walk with patients. And, and we do that together to get people to be healthier, to take, to take down their blood pressure. 
That's awesome. And, and it's, it's really nice. I love, I love the example of gardening for exercise because um, I, I read it, you know, in, in, in books and things. And I love when the question comes up, what's the best form of exercise? Mm -hmm. And, and the, my favorite answer, I, of course, there are a whole bunch of answers to that question. My favorite one is whichever one you enjoy the most. And I love that some people love to go walking. Some people love to go running. Some people love to go bike riding. Some people like to hike. Some people like to rock climb. You know, some people like to run on a treadmill while they're watching their, their favorite show or, or favorite episode of Chef AJ's show on their, on their TV or on their computer. Um, some people walk on the computer while they're working, but there's just so many ways to, yeah. to get exercise in that's, uh, that can really be enjoyable and fun. And I love that, you know, that this tip is here because if someone has high blood pressure, this is almost an excuse or a reason to go out and to do something that you really enjoy that's fun. Um, and always to talk to your doctor before you start a physical activity, you know, because depending on how sick you are, we may want to get you in slowly, but making it fun is so important. I love to hike, but I was traveling a lot and thinking, how am I going to do this? So I picked up jump roping. Oh. I haven't jumped rope since I was a kid, but oh my gosh, I'm having so much fun <laughs> learning how to do it and trying it and trying tricks and things like that. And even just doing the first time I got five in a row without catching my rope on my feet was just so much fun. So doing any kind, anything, whether you like to dance and just dancing like nobody's watching or whatever, yeah. and even fidgeting, you see, I fidget a lot. Fidgeting is physical. So do that. That helps. Yeah. Awesome. So step uh, tip number two or strategy number two is to get regular physical activity. Yeah. And, and the word regular is in there. And I think that's not something to be overlooked because right. of course we all know that the things that we do occasionally are not the things that are going to give us um, kind of permanent uh, benefits or really lasting. And I, my favorite word is sustainability, right? Yeah. Whatever you do, you want to make it fun enough that you can do it regularly so that you can kind of enjoy the benefits of those activities, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Should we move on to strategy number three? All right. I have to click. Oh, there we go. Beat the stress. And we, and we, we spelled it wrong this time. <laughs> no, we didn't, we spelled it correctly, but, but we didn't use our, our, our um, play on words to, to call it beat the stress. But um, yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how important stress management is? Stress management is so important. Um, and it's not stress that increases your blood pressure. It's how we deal with stress. Okay, so how we deal with stress and how we react to stress is what increases our blood pressure. So if we get really tense and really nervous and really it increases our cortisol, which increases our blood pressure. So um, it because cortisol causes vasoconstriction, which is the vessels constricting down. We want to relax and let that happen. So a couple of things that you can do are breathing techniques. One of them is try four, seven, eight, which is breathe in for four, hold for seven and out for eight. And that actually works on the parasympathetics, which opens up your vessels to decrease your blood pressure. Do that several times. I do it before I go to bed to help me go to sleep, which sleep is very important for stress management. I do it before uh, something that makes me nervous, like talking to people in this kind of 
thing or before a, a confrontation. Um, other things are doing a gratitude diary and being grateful for the good things in your life, learning to say no, which is really tough. Um, but that's important. You need to put yourself and your health first so that you can help others. You can't get rid of stress. And again, it's not the stress that's the problem. It's how you react to the stress. See, can should we try this breathing exercise? Um, to to should we count it out? Because if I'm adding it up, it's only seven to eight is fifteen and four. It's about twenty seconds, and you know it is doing one. I guess one cycle of this helpful, or I know here it says to, um, or you mentioned to do this a couple of times in a row. I but- do yeah, I do it up you to five. Just have everybody who's watching just take a break and to and to do it. Yeah. Um, so you just breathe in, hold, out. And you can do that a couple of times. And Honestly, I can feel my heart rate slow when I do this. It's so interesting, especially when I started practicing it at night before I went to bed. It just slows down everything. And that takes down the stress and it helps you react differently, be differently. And a lot of people say if something happens and makes you stress, before you react, count to 10. This is one another way to do it, which is really helpful. And there's lots of breathing techniques out there. Personally, I love this one, but there's some other ones and we can, um, we can, you'll find more information about it if you contact us for sure. Yeah. And, and, and this one can be, can be really interesting because if you have your own blood pressure cuff, you can yeah. actually put it on and you, you can do three or four cycles, or even if you're at the grocery store, you yeah. can sit on that machine or at the pharmacy or wherever you, you know, wherever there's a blood pressure cuff that someone could have access to, they could go there, check their blood pressure they could do three or four cycles of this and then check their blood pressure again. And really you're still only at the machine for a total of maybe three minutes in order to, in order to do that, but to see how it changes. And then what I'm always interested in is if you do this technique, does it, I mean, how long does it stay low? Um, And, and, you know, like is doing this one, like once per hour, you know, for, or, or doing two cycles, you know, every hour throughout the day, does that really help to kind of lower your average um, blood pressure over time? And I guess that's probably going to be individual, you know, depending on the individual, but if someone is looking to really improve their blood pressure, that might be something that would be worth checking and, and, and trying out. That is, and meditation is, and anything that you can do to slow down your brain, your um, your parasympathetics, your heart rate, everything like that, that will take down your blood pressure. Um, and it, I think it's going to be somewhat individual as how long it lasts, but it also, the more you practice, the longer, the more you, the better you do, the longer it will last. Yep. Great. Thanks. Well, we'll move on to strategy number four. Okay. So we talked about what you can eat and what you can do, but avoiding is important too. So um, getting the toxins out. So stress is a toxin that increases blood pressure. Physical toxins also increase blood pressure. So if you smoke, stop smoking. That is the, the best thing you can do 
if you are a smoker is to quit smoking because it not only decreases your blood pressure, but it also decreases your risk of, of cancers and heart disease and so many different things. So if you smoke, quit. And that, you know, um, there are some studies out there that using cannabis increases your blood pressure. So be careful of what you're doing. Um, get rid of things like alcohol. Uh, from a lot of my patients, it's so interesting that a lot of my patients who've done everything right, but their blood pressure isn't coming down. When they get rid of alcohol for a month, their blood pressure normalizes. So that's not, you know, you want to try and um, get rid of things that will increase your blood pressure. And alcohol is one of the biggest ones. Caffeine is really important. It increases your blood pressure. So avoiding limiting caffeine can make a huge difference in your blood pressure. Things that people don't even think about, like um, supplements, weight loss supplements, which have a lot of ephedra, ephedrine and things like that can be a real problem and increase your blood pressure. So I always check to see what people are using and putting in their body that increases blood pressure and then getting rid of them, getting rid of those toxins can make a huge difference. Yeah. And, and I've heard, I don't know what the, what the kind of mechanism is for, for alcohol and blood pressure, but the other thing I I've heard people now, I mean, it's so fascinating the world that we're in like my watch tells me my heart rate and it tracks my heart rate all throughout the day. And then it tells me my heart rate variability and it tells me my average resting heart rate and it tells me my max heart rate and it tells me all this information. And then when I sleep at night, it also tracks and it uses my motion and my heart rate and um, like a pulse ox sensor to kind of assess the different stages of sleep that I'm in. And yep. I've heard people like have done kind of self experiments now. And this is, I'm such a fan of this, and this is not biohacking, or this is not trying to game the system. This is trying to learn how my body works. Because when we read articles, even if they're the most prestigious scientific journals, like that's really fascinating information and it is evidence-based and it's what's going to work for most people. But now that we've got some of these tools, we can really find out what works for me. And Relating to alcohol specifically, you know, I have some friends who, um, who drink occasionally and as they track their sleep, they notice a tremendous difference in the quality of sleep after even just having one or two drinks in a day. So I'm not talking about going out and having a really great time and getting really drunk. I'm right. just talking about, you know, like a glass or two of wine or a beer or two with, with dinner. And then, but that their sleep is so messed up that the, the next night and, and who knows if one night of disrupted sleep per week is even going to like have any noticeable impact on your kind of daily life or quality of life or not. But actually there's, the, there's studies out there that it does. So, wow. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't even know if that was the case, but just the fact that the, 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 like being able to see real world evidence that there's something going on um, is just fascinating. And it, it's, it's unique. You know, we haven't had these kind of trackers. I mean, everyone who has an Apple watch or a Garmin watch or a Fitbit, or, you know, like there's just so many different, or a whoop or a, or a ring. Like there's just so many of these tools that, that people can use these days. And, and really um, for people who want to optimize or people who want to, you know, work on prevention or people who want to make measurable difference in their health, or in this case, you know, in, in changing their blood pressure, there's so many tools available that can really help to, to show progress and to, yeah. and to, and to find things that work because maybe if someone really enjoys having a glass of wine with dinner and, 
and you don't notice a difference in your heart rate variability, or if you don't notice a difference in your sleep quality or something, then, then maybe that, that, you know, maybe you're, you're within your kind of, um, what works for you, what, what, you know, your acceptable parameters for you individually, you know, regardless of what the studies say. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's different genetics. And so like caffeine, some people are slow absorbers and some people are fast and, even drinking caffeine at eight o'clock in the morning for me would affect my blood pressure all day and wow. all night, you know, my sleep at night. So, and other people might be fine, right? But you'll find that overall, generally, alcohol does affect blood pressure and caffeine does, but, wow. Wow. and certainly smoking does. Okay, well, let's move on to another fun one, because we, we told everyone these tips are going to be fun and avoiding things that people enjoy might not always be considered fun. But, okay. but um, I think everyone likes spending time in nature. Spending time in nature is so important. And there's multiple reasons why it takes down blood pressure. Um, one, it de-stresses you. Like for me, one of my favorite things is taking my dog out for a hike in nature. Um, two, the sun the infrared from the sun improves endothelial function, which again, improves that vasodilation, which brings down blood pressure. Um, it, it gets you grounded. It gets you balanced. You can see it here. I'm actually, <laughs> this is me in Bhutan. The first day I got to Bhutan after an incredibly stressful travel experience. Um, and just touching and hugging that tree and being out in nature rebalance me within seconds after a significant period of time of stress. So it's great. So we want, you know, having exposure to nature in the sun in increases your nitric oxide, which causes the vasodilation. It's just so important. And it's, it's fun. This is a good thing to get yeah. out. Even if you're at work and you just go out and do a walk for 10 minutes in the middle of the day, you notice you feel better and it takes you down. So um, yeah. yeah, it's one of my favorite. I am a tree hugger. Awesome. Well, your strike risk, your heart attack risk, everything. Well, that's our tip number five. But I was thinking as I'm here and I have my water bottle in uh -huh. front of me, um, how about hydration? Because that's a, yeah. that's a, that's another question that I had. And um, I've heard that, that hydration can help with blood pressure and, and, you know, in my very non-medical, you know, thinking mind, you know, I, I think, well, if the body's made up a lot, large portion of water and my blood probably has a lot of water in it. And if I'm maybe if I'm well hydrated, that would flow more smoothly. But does hydration, does staying properly hydrated have uh, an impact on blood pressure? Huge effect. So it improves viscosity. It improves kidney function, which helps with your blood pressure. Kidney and, and hypertension are so interrelated. It helps get rid of some of those toxins we talked about. And toxins, external toxins are there too, but um, your cells are constantly functioning and making toxins that you have to get out of your body. So hydration is so important. Getting hydration, if you're not hydrated, you're vasoconstricting. You're pulling it down, which increases your blood pressure so that you can get more blood up to your brain so you don't faint. So yes, hydration is, there's many, many other tips. We just kept it to five today, um, yeah. but there's plenty of we other- We gave a bonus. We gave hydration. That's a bonus tip too. Oh yes. One bonus. Don't forget your hydration. Yeah. Yep. So, so here they are again. 
And also we're going to have in the show notes, we have a PDF guide that has all of this and much more information in it that, that you can download for free. It's uh, just something that we give away at, at Love Life Telehealth to, to anyone who, um, who comes over and, and signs up and downloads it so that you can kind of keep it, uh, keep it handy. The other kind of, I don't know, I think it's fun. And the other, and it's certainly beautiful. The other beautiful thing that we include in there are some recipes that, that help with, um, with lowering blood pressure. And we talked about that whole food plant base. And, and one of them here is this Mediterranean lentil, lentil cucumber and tomato salad. And I know we didn't talk, we talked about the sodium potential in beans, but I know that you've also explained that uh, lentils and beans and legumes are, are just uh, very beneficial as well. Right. Is that and, and they have fiber and we are so fiber deficient in this country. So lentils, actually, the if you look at the blue zones, where which are the regions around the world where you have the oldest living, healthiest people, centenarians, people over 100, um, they have tons of lentil of legumes and it's great. And they take down their blood pressure and you don't have the saturated fat. You don't have the salt in them. So it's 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 delicious and nutritious yeah. and fun. Yep. And then we, we have this farro and arugula salad. And again, there, there, of course, we've got greens here and we've got beans in the, in the chickpeas. And we also see our theme of the day. We see beets chopped up in there. It looks like beets mixed in with blueberries. And, um, you know, all, all of these things are, are so rich in, and, um, in nutrients and, and helpful for, for all kinds of, um, well, just for living healthy. That's a perfect, that's a perfect meal. I mean, I have greens with every single meal because of the nitric oxide and the, the vasodilation that it does. And so you can have that. That's, I can't even think of a more perfect meal and I'm getting hungry. Looking at Pharaoh, sound, Pharaoh sounds sometimes intimidating because it's not something that, you know, I grew up eating or even knowing about, but, um, I get it at the, at the store. It's right in my regular grocery store in the grain section and it's in a bag. And I literally just cook it with some water on the stove. Um, just like I would cook a, a dry bean or a rice or anything else. And, uh, I really like it. It's a very hearty kind of chewy grain. And, um, it, it has, you know, it tends to lend itself well towards more kind of savory flowers than like a, than like a steel cut oat or something like that, at least for myself. Um, then here we've got the flaxseed that, that we touched on and uh, green smoothies. And I'm, I'm assuming that all this stuff went into the blender or that's probably in the blender in this, in this photo. Yeah. And again, you're getting the flax, which takes down your blood pressure, the blueberries, which takes down your blood pressure, the spinach, which takes down your blood pressure. And if, when I remember when I said that I first went to this, I never liked anything green. I my friend made me this green smoothie with cucumber and kale. And I, I didn't even know what kale was at that time. And I thought, oh, that's going to be terrible. I tasted it and it actually tastes great. So th this is a really great way to get some tasty hypernutrients into your body, which help your blood pressure. And you can do that without seeing a doctor. You can already start treating yourself and any concerns of blood pressure and cholesterol and things like that, you can start today with the tips we've given. Yeah, exactly. And, th and then we, this is our last picture of the day. And these are some, um, you know, overnight oats, uh, which are, which are very easy to make and enjoyable. And also, you know, just a delicious summertime fruit salad. I mean, we're still getting um, fresh watermelons now in, here in New Jersey, where I am. And it's just so delicious, like to, to really have a, you know, just to slice up a fresh watermelon and have 
you know, just fresh seasonal fruits. Incredible. Didn't it didn't mention it, but there are studies with watermelons that a, okay. a large watermelon will take down your blood pressure. Wow, so, eating a large watermelon, you said mm -hmm. the whole thing. They say a large amount of watermelon. A large and amount. So I you don't know. know exactly what that is, but um, I eat. I yeah, it's so delicious. It's so good for you. So definitely, great job. It's interesting. I you know I I say that, and I'm going to stop sharing because that's our our last slide that we have to share. So so we're back now, but um, you know, I say a, a whole watermelon almost with surprise. But um, I ate a whole cantaloupe one day. You know, I came home and I just cut it in half and I scooped out the seeds and then I ate, ate the cantaloupe right out of the right out of the um, the skin. So I didn't peel it or anything or chop it or anything. And then I was still hungry. And then I ate the other half of the cantaloupe. And I'm like, what did I do? You know, did, did I eat a lot of food? Did I not eat a lot of food? And I looked it up and it was about the equivalence in calories of about one and a half bananas. And yeah. that's an entire cantaloupe. So, so I asked, uh, I was surprised when, when I said a whole watermelon, of course, watermelons vary in sizes from like this to, to, to this, but, um, but it's very possible that eating an entire watermelon is actually, you know, it, I mean, so much of it is water and right. um, it, it's, it's possible that it's not actually kind of overeating food if, if that becomes like a meal. And in this case, the cantaloupe was probably like a lunch or, or maybe a breakfast. I forget what it was, but I ate the whole entire thing and it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't a lot of calories and it was certainly a lot of nutrients and water and, and hydrating and plus delicious. So it's going to help you lose weight because it's bulk, it's fiber, it's nutrients and it's water. It's great. Yeah. Um, so that and losing weight, remember, we talked that, you know, just losing a couple of pounds will help your blood pressure. So you're, you're giving your body such great nutrition by doing that. And it's, I don't think it's, I mean, I wouldn't want you to just eat cantaloupe or watermelon, and that's it. I want right. you to have a good variety. We talk about um, the rainbow, you mentioned that in the beginning, the rainbow of colors, we want lots of different colors. So we have so many different nutrients in our bodies, which right. will take down your blood pressure, but it was great. It's yeah. Great. And I only did that once, Doc. So, so maybe hey, one I'd of much rather you do not that. Like, than, not like a normal thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, honestly, I'd much rather you do that than, you know, a box of Milky Ways, which yeah. I used to do, you know? <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, uh, this was fun. Hopefully people, you know, are, are enjoying it and have, have um, you know, enjoyed the tips. And if you know someone who has um, high blood pressure, like we would love for you to share this with them and, and let them watch it and hopefully get some, get some information. They can start doing that. And if you yourself have high blood pressure, um, you know, we, we just hope it helps. Our, our goal is really to kind of um, to empower people to know and things you can start doing yourself. I want to make sure that people know that if you do have high blood pressure and you're on meds and you start doing some of this stuff, contact your doctor or us at, at Love Life Telehealth, because if you really do all of these things, your blood pressure can go too low because you're on too much meds. So we need to carefully and safely de-prescribe, which is one of my favorite things is take people off of medications. Awesome. I love that de-prescribe. How many people de-prescribe? Uh, I, I, one of my favorite parts of being a doctor is getting people off of keeping people off of medicines and it saves them the side effects of the medicines, the money, the, 
just having to be on it. Now, medicines are great. I'm a doctor. If you need them, use them. But I want you to use the least that works. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, go ahead. I love oh, I was just going to say, I was just going to add to what you said, AJ, because like, you're right. Like they're like, I've only had doctors tell me once you go on blood pressure medication, you're on it for the rest of your life. Or once you go on your cholesterol medication, you're going to be on that for the rest of your life. And, and, and it's a refreshing message to hear that that doesn't always have to be the case. I mean, some it's always the risk reward, right? Like sometimes the, the benefit outweighs the risk of, of, of using those things, but there are other things that, that um, we can do to, to um, yeah, just use the minimal amounts and use them when appropriate. And that's um, fantastic. There were so many great takeaways. A few things you said that I really appreciated is that if your blood pressure is naturally low without medication, it's not necessarily too low because people go get freaked out about the numbers because most doctors aren't used to normal numbers. So when somebody like me walks in with 90 over 60, they're like, oh, you know, like, like they think it's a disease, you know? Yeah. Meanwhile, you're thriving and, and you probably just got done exercising and stretching and everything before you were at the doctor's anyway. Right. What's funny is it actually goes up when they take it. Like a lot of times it'll be like, and it's still so low, even when mine goes up because I'm nervous, it's it like, like, let's see what it was today. It was like 110 over 80, but it, when that's still they go, Oh, your blood pressure is great. I go, that's not my blood pressure. You know, <laughs> but but that probably does save you the conversation or the lecture for for like why is your blood pressure so low? Like you you save them some heartache by by letting it go up a little bit with that um, when they're check, checking it for you. <laughs> I love how you said that alcohol can raise blood pressure. Pot. A lot of people take pot every night. You know, they don't think about the effect of the blood pressure. Yeah. 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 I mean, you want to put the least in your body that you need. You want only healthy stuff if you can or as healthy as you can be. You still can have fun. I love my life. I, yeah. I always thought, you know, I was a cheeseaholic and I thought, oh my God, I can't give up cheese. I would never go back because I feel so great. So your health yeah. is so much more fun yeah, yeah. Um, than not having it. Yeah. So, you know, coffee is one of those things that some of the doctors, even on the show, they think it's so great. Um, I, I think you mentioned you don't drink caffeine. I don't either. Right. Yeah. I don't because you know when I was losing weight, like I it, like it kind of sent me on an energy roller coaster when I was using caffeine. So like I would get, I would have this energy, and then as soon as it would start to wear off, I would think I was hungry, and I would go and start snacking or eating or think I need, you know, uh, or think I was. So for me, it was just nice to be on that even keel so that I didn't have those things that made me feel like I was hungry as I was trying to, you know, lose weight and learn how to, you know, eat, eat a different kind of diet style. So that's why I gave it up. And now kind of, I don't have, I just don't have a, a reason to go back to it. Um, and I wonder if it would still kind of spark some cravings as I, as it wore off. So that's a great uh, way to explain it. Cause I always find that a lot of the people I've worked with that struggle with weight, have the caffeine habit, but I was just curious, do you see it affect blood pressure considerably, or it's not one, it's one of the more benign things. It, it, it depends on the person. So that's part of your genetics. And so it's not even the caffeine in the coffee. There's another thing in the coffee that can affect blood pressure in certain people. So that's why I suggest if you don't drink coffee to begin with, don't start it. I mean, there's lots of really good things in coffee because it is a bean. And so it has a lot of good chemicals in it and stuff and phytochemicals and things. But if you don't drink it, don't start it. If you do drink it and you really, then do an experiment and get off of it for a month and see what happens. And if it didn't affect your blood pressure, okay. 
if it did or affect your cravings or affect other part or affect your sleep, then okay. Cause you may be a slow, uh, fast metabolizer, which is actually, it's probably not an issue, but for me with my genetics, I already, I knew that in, intuitively, but then I did a genetic study and I was like, oh, I have issues with co- coffee and caffeine. So it was interesting. I've heard one of the doctors say it can raise exogenous cholesterol. I don't know what the word exogenous means in terms of cholesterol. Outside. So exogenous is outside. So we make our own cholesterol. Our, our livers make as much cholesterol as we need. There are in some people coffee, and especially if you brew it in a way where you don't filter it, it can increase exogenous cholesterol. And so that's not good because we don't want extra cholesterol that we don't need in our bodies. So if you drink coffee, the best way is filter it. French press, even if it's delicious, is not the better way to drink it. Right. Are you guys familiar with the Tarahumara Indians? Yes. They have very good blood pressure. Don't they? They're, (laughs) They're amazing. And they, they, eat very simply, but there's no saturated fat. There's it's, it's, it's grains and, and I think lentils too, or some kind of uh, legume, sorry, grains and legume. And they live off of that. And it's, and they run hundreds of miles without any issues. It's part of their society and it's great. I didn't even know anything about their diet, but I've read about them for the running. These are people who basically, you know, they, they, they can run all day, right? Yes. Yeah, it's fascinating to me. And they, don't have to, and they don't have to stop for a cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> they don't pull into the Starbucks run through. Oh, isn't that funny? I, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't invent that one of these days. Yeah. Yeah. It's I'm sorry, AJ. Oh, go it's ahead, coffee. I've had people who get off coffee and have more energy because they're not doing that up down thing. They're much more stable. So, you but, know, it's, it's worth checking into for you. You know, I, I don't know how we can access this, but Dr. Linda Carney gave a, a, a talk once about 17 reasons caffeine can make it hard to lose weight. But Anthony, the way you just articulated it made so much sense to me why people struggle with that caffeine roller coaster when they're trying to lose weight and because you mistook it for, for hunger. And that that's a big deal. Yeah, it was a really big deal for me, especially when I had kind of bad habits. You know, I had bad go-tos when I would get hungry and want a snack, like they weren't great choices. So, so I didn't, I didn't need any, you know, any nudges to get a snack. I, I just wanted to kind of avoid them. <laughs> you know, when you talk about exercise and you said what to do, and you said the one you love the most, I thought you were going to say the best exercise is the one that you'll actually do. <laughs> well, I, I think I said it in an indirect way, but what you said is more direct, right? Because uh, we're trying to infer that if you love doing it, that you'll make the time to do it. But yes, you're correct. It's the one that you, <laughs> the one that you actually do, because if my favorite exercise is something that like, let's say my favorite exercise is snowboarding. Cause I love to snowboard, but I really only get a chance to do that. Maybe, I don't know, 10 or 20 times per year. Like that's not really going to help me. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, this is a wonderful presentation. You guys have a great work great together. I'm curious how people can get in touch with you, Dr. Scheuer, if they want to consult or with one of the other doctors, most of your, I, you have all the States covered now, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. All the states and states. Yeah. And I'll let Anthony tell you because he's okay. Yeah. So, so I mean, there are 10 doctors and they're available to see patients in all 50 states and they will also do international consultations. But again, those are not medical appointments because they can't do, um, they can't order any labs or, or any, um, 
prescription. Well, prescribe any medications internationally, but in the United States, anyone can have access to a doctor who practices lifestyle medicine and can help people to treat the root cause of disease. And if you do require lab work, we have national accounts with Quest and LabCorp, so you can find a lab that's near you and the doctor just sends the order and you go get your labs done just like your local doctor would. And if someone does pre uh, require uh, prescription medications, you know, if they're maybe scaling down doses, or even if you re require new prescriptions, the doctor can just order that. We're plugged in with the whole entire pharmacy network so that you would then just go to your local pharmacy and pick it up just like you would from any other doctor. The only difference is that it's all telemedicine. So you don't get to, you know, your doctor doesn't get to listen to your heart or, or touch you. So um, they can treat a lot of conditions, but maybe not quite everything. But, um, you know, if there's any, if anyone has a question, we have a number right on the front page of our website, you just give a call and we can help people to decide if it's appropriate or not um, for an appointment. And the website there is love.life slash telehealth. Great. Thank you. I look forward to the day that you can get dental telehealth. There's nothing I just like more than going to the dentist. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's going to be a trick, but you know what? I, with this robotics and, and things that are coming and these remote systems, I don't I, I see videos of people doing remote surgeries and it's possible the dentist might send you something to attach to your head and do the dentistry remotely at some point in the future as well. And that would be scary to me, especially involving drills and sharp things. <laughs> <laughs> well, <you never> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Anthony. And thank you so much, Dr. Scheuer. Thank, thank you. you. Be it was yeah. great. It was fun. Hope to have you back. And thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Please come back tomorrow for Chef Sharia Moore. She's going to be making a beet hummus, red velvet chocolate muffins with beets and a strawberry vinaigrette and more. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.